is Christian Questions. Somebody once said, real leaders are ordinary people with extraordinary determination. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Christian Questions Talk Radio with a Purpose. With Jonathan and Rick, this isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Rick, that perspective is based on godly principles, family values, honest dialogue, all in a politically free zone. Jonathan, the best part is this. We talk and you listen, and then you talk and we listen. You can also contact us at our website, ChristianQuestions.com. I'm Rick. And I'm Jonathan. And we are glad that you have chosen to spend some time with us this morning. And Jonathan, what is the subject for this fine Sunday morning? Well, Rick, our question is, what makes a true Christian leader? Part 1. And our theme text is found in Matthew chapter 20, verse 26. It is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And Jonathan, we are going to be talking about leadership, and that is one of my favorite subjects, incidentally. Yes, it is. Uh, Leadership. In today's world, it is one of the most important necessities of life, and sadly, leadership is one of the most absent aspects of life. Humanity needs Leaders. We need leaders to show us a vision, to clear a path, to walk the path first, and to thereby help us walk the path. Now, Christianity, uh, just like humanity, needs leadership as well. Sure, we have Jesus as the captain of our faith, and sure, we have the apostles, the 12 pillars of Christianity, but we also need those whose examples we can see, touch, and relate to here and now at the end of this age. So, what makes a Christian leader. Folks, stay with us because this this is a very, I, I think it's a, I love this subject, but it's a very important subject. It is, Rick. So I get all giddy when it's time to do a leadership program. Like, <laughs> and and um, we are, this is going to be a two-part program uh, on leadership, and that wasn't the intention at the beginning, but as we started pulling the information together, it became evident that there there's just so much to talk about, and it could go far beyond a couple of parts. All right. Um, so we're going to be looking at leadership the Christian way, and the way we want to envision it, if you will, Jonathan, is yeah, you have a, a, a puzzle. Okay. And you want to properly place the pieces in that puzzle. Mm-hmm. So we've got the P words. Yes, you have many p words in this program. <laughs> I don't know how that happens. It's sort of it's just sort of developed itself. I'm not sure how. So, what we're going to be focusing on this program, folks, is the personal pieces of that leadership puzzle, the internal puzzle, if you will. There's an internal leadership puzzle and there's an external leadership puzzle. And we want to focus on the internal and as we go through that, a lot of a lot of the folks listening might think, okay, well, I'm off the hook. They're talking about the Christian leaders. Uh, but really, that's not the case. Because there's an application to each of us if we're following Jesus. And each of us ought to learn to be a leader in, in our own way. If not of your own of your own Christianity, I mean, think about it. If you are if you are witnessing the gospel to other people, you're leading them towards something. That's right. So. Listen up, people. Listen up. <laughs> it applies to us all. <laughs> it really does, and that's the point. So this is a very, uh, very much a personal application. But we want to also look at our Christian leadership and say, can I observe these kinds of things in those that I have decided to follow with? 
So th- those are the there's, so there's uh, s- several levels of application here. So the first uh, the first puzzle piece is what principles. And what are the core values that guide me? All right, principles. That's the first piece of the internal leadership puzzle. And now, now what is a what is a principle? It's a moral rule or belief that helps you know what is right and wrong that influences your actions. All right. A moral rule or belief that helps you know what's right and wrong. So it's one of the very, very basic things uh, that that helps you decide how to uh, live your life. And I would sum it up with, uh, in a way, like godly righteousness. Okay. That's how I, I would see it. So Jonathan just settled the subject. All done. <laughs> I had a lot more to say, but and it, we'll all come back to that same thing, though. We'll all come it back to, to godly righteousness. Let's start with a soundbite uh, from Ken Blanchard. He is the author of a book from several years ago called The One-Minute Manager. It was a very short book. I remember I read it many, many times, and it's, it, was, it was so simply written and so clearly stated, it really helped to focus on, on accomplishing the things in life that you need to accomplish. So here he is. He's giving a, a talk about... Uh, servant leadership. One is what business are you in? You know, I mean, why are you even doing what you're doing? Okay. Second is, if you do a good job in your business, what will happen? Where are you going? The third is, uh, what's going to guide your journey? What are your values? So a compelling vision tells you who you are, what business you're in, where you're going, which is your picture of the future, and then third, what will guard your, uh, guide your journey, your values. And then once that's set, then the fourth one kicks in, which is the first secret of the one-minute manager, is what? Goals. Because goals tell people what do you want you to focus on right now. So he's talking about the four parts of a compelling vision, what business – and look, he's talking to a business audience, but understand, you can take those business things, and we are in the business of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's right. Now, we're not in the business of the gospel of Jesus Christ to make money and all of that. We're no. in the business of the gospel of Jesus Christ to praise God with the way we live and the things that we say and, and the spreading of the word. Mm-hmm. All right, And we're going to develop that as we go, but what business are you in? If you do a, a good job, what's going to happen? What guides your journey? What are your values? And then finally, what goals are you focusing on right here and right now? Jonathan, we have a lot of several quotes throughout the program, and there's no sources of the quotes. Okay. Let me explain why there's no sources of all these quotes. Why? Uh, Well, because I'm glad you asked. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody in in the preparation stage, somebody sent me a a, a YouTube video that had all these quotes on it, and they were like really incredibly awesome quotes, and there were no sources listed until the end. Then all the sources were listed in a big, big line and I could not did not have the time to try to figure out which one which person yeah right okay so (laughs) so uh, what we're looking at is Christian leadership folks if you have a thought on what Christian leadership is and how it works we'd love to hear from you 866-985-4255 toll free 866-985 for all we're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 and and that means we're on right now and we want to hear what you have to say about today's topic post your comments on our Facebook page Go to our blog or tweet us. Go to ChristianQuestions.com. All right. Another quote, Jonathan, with no source. I'm not sure who said it. I didn't. They're smarter than me, whoever said it. What is it? Leadership is action, not position. That is, to me, one of the key bottom line points of what leadership truly is. Let's look at Mark chapter 12, verses 28 to 31. 
One of the scribes came and heard them arguing, and recognizing that he had answered them well, he asked him, What commandment is the foremost of all? Jesus answered, The foremost is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the second. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other greater commandment than these. So Jesus is giving us the the action of the internal development of leadership. But what helps us to know what's right? And you said, what, godly righteousness? That's right. Well, and that's what Jesus is saying. God first, and that's the most basic principle we can adhere to. God first. God, yeah, I like that. God first, God second, God third. <laughs> <laughs> really, it really does boil down to, to, to simply that. So Jesus puts it in perspective. Love the Lord your God with everything, your, your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, and don't forget to love your neighbor as yourself. He's, and see, these are the greatest of the commandments. Well, Rick, why don't we go to the phones? We have Kathy from Connecticut. Good morning, Kathy, and welcome to Christian Questions. Good morning. I'm sorry. I have a question already. I'm already lost. Oh, I was wondering. Good job, Jonathan. About... <laughs> it's my fault. It... <laughs> go, go, go ahead, Kathy. I'm, you're talking about internal Christian leaders, and I wonder, do you mean internal within the person or internal within the church organization? Okay, that's a, actually that's a really good question. And we are really focusing on internally within the person, but you can certainly take the, the, the principles and the, the, the uh, approaches to this and say, is the organization operating based on these things as well? But we're, our focus really is internally within the person. Um, so each, each of us as a Christian does have the responsibility to, to follow through with these things. Okay, great. I get it. Thank you so much. Okay. Take care. Bye. Kathy, the queen of tweeting for Christian <laughs> questions. <laughs> She's the tweet master here. So, um, uh, Kathy, thanks for the call and the clarification. Yes, we are l- really looking at the personal uh, uh, approach on this. Jonathan, a couple of scriptures from the Old Testament that just focus on getting the principles right. Guard your heart. Above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Okay, that's Proverbs 4.23. What about Psalm 78.72? With upright heart, he shepherded them and guided them with his skillful hand. The common denominator in both of those scriptures is the heart. The heart needs to be guarded. It needs to be upright. It's no accident, accident that we're constantly told to guard our heart. For it's through the heart that all good or evil comes to rest upon our lives. We can think about things, but it's when we absorb them into our hearts that we act on things. Good point. And leadership, the internal part of leadership is guarding your heart with that godly righteousness that we were talking about in terms of that basic principle that underlies everything. Philippians 4, seven. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Again, so you come from Old Testament to New Testament, and you've got that same theme. So one of the key points of Christian leadership to begin with is, yes, you have to have principles, and those principles have to be settled in your heart. Mm-hmm. That they, they have to be driven by your heart. Not just a head knowledge. Exactly. You've got to know. Yes. But you have to... and. and you you know me. I'm not one to say you know. Let's get all you know kumbaya and feely feely and you know all. But but you have to feel it. And if you don't feel it, it doesn't drive you. And if it doesn't drive you, you're really not leading well. That's really it. To me, it all it all connects. So, principle: love God with all of your being. 
Guard the integrity of that love and learn to rest in its protection. That's really what we have to, to, to focus on. Now, let, let's diverge for a moment here, Jonathan. Okay. okay. Understand that true Christian leadership is expressed through action and not position. We talked about that in that, that nameless quote previously. Yes. What does this mean regarding any hierarchy within Christianity? And this sort of alludes to a little bit of what, uh, what Kathy was asking about. We are going to talk a little bit about the hierarchy of Christianity um, just for a little bit, and then we're going to get back to real personal interpretation. But let's look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. <laughs> All right, now, the name Peter means rock. Yes, it does. All right. Now, one of the traditional interpretations of this verse indicates that Peter was to be the foundation of the Christian church and therefore our leader, obviously outside of Jesus. In some cases, this leadership is believed to pass down through all generations and, th- and, and to uh, through all the generations of Christianity, uh, you know, generation after generation. The question relating to that is, is that what that scripture is saying? Because we're talking about leadership, and we're talking about individuals, and we're talking about um, how we're spending time looking at the the personal development of personal uh, integrity, if you will, internally each of each individual leader. But within the Christian hierarchy, is there a predetermined approach with the Apostle Peter taking the lead above the other apostles? Or is the approach something different than that? What does that scripture really mean? That's something we have to get into. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, what makes a true Christian leader? Coming up, did Peter ever describe himself as the foundation of the church, the rock, or... Did he describe himself differently? He clears up the matter. That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, what makes a true Christian leader? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And Jonathan, as we talk about leadership, we're, we're looking at, overall in this program, we're looking at the internal factors that make an individual a leader. And all of these internal factors do apply to anybody who's looking to follow Christ. That's right. Even if you're not in a position of leadership, but specifically they should be showing up in, in Christian leaders. The first point was principles. What are the core values that guide me? Uh, we are taking a, a little bit of a detour at this moment and looking at just asking the question about is there a Christian hierarchy? Now, some denominations of Christianity say absolutely there is, and we're looking at a scripture that uh, 
some look at and say, well, you know, this, this indicates that the Apostle Peter is the core and foundation of the church outside of Jesus Christ himself. And we're saying, is that what the scripture really says? And again, just reread the scripture. It was Matthew sixteen eighteen. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. So you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Is Peter that rock? That's the real question. Now, here's the thing. The name Peter, what does it mean? It means a piece of rock. Okay. It, but it does mean a rock. Yes. Okay. So it does mean a rock. Thou art Peter. Okay. You are a rock. So in Matthew sixteen eighteen, Peter is a name. It's a name given which signifies a rock. Now, does this mean that Peter is the rock that the church was to be built upon and therefore the leader from which all other leaders would come from? Some Christian denominations say yes, absolutely, and others say no, absolutely not. Now, we want to be respectful, but we want to be pointed. Okay. And so we're, a, we're, we're of the mind that says, no, absolutely not. All right? We are. And why do we say that? And I think it's real simple. Read the text one more time. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. So, and I tell you, you are a, Pe- Peter. a rock, mm-hmm. and upon this rock, what rock the bottom line is, Jonathan, the, the word for Peter does mean rock. There's no question about it. Yes, it does. But the other word for rock has, is a different word, and it's got a different meaning. What does that mean? That means a large mass of rock. Okay. So Peter, the word literally means a piece of rock, mm-hmm. smaller, versus a large mass of rock, much larger. Yes. So when, he, when Jesus is saying, upon this rock, is he referring to Peter or to something else And I think the answer is absolutely, positively, something else. Yes. How do we, why are we sure of that? You can look at that one scripture and say, well, yes, you can argue it either way. Well, let's look at how this other word for rock is used in a couple of other scriptures, and I think that helps to settle the matter. Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which build his house upon a rock. All right, upon a rock. And when you, if, if you're building your house upon a rock, it's got to be a pretty big rock. It is. This is the large, massive rock. Right. Yes. One other scripture, and I think this is a very, very pointed, focused scripture on this, 1 Corinthians 10.4. And did all drink the same spiritual drink? For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. And that is the same word for the large mass of rock. rock. Yes. So when you say when you look at this scripture and you say okay Peter is a rock there's no question about it but he is not according to what we believe the scriptures teach he is not the rock upon which the Christian church is built. Oh Jesus is. So you say well what is the rock and you've got to go back to what Peter said because remember Jesus asked them well who do you say that I am? And Peter is the one who spoke up and said thou art the Christ the son of the living God. Son of the living God. And Jesus' response to that is, right, you're Peter. You're and a, God revealed it to you. Right. God revealed it to you. You're a small rock. And upon this rock, upon the fact that I am the Christ, the son of the living God, right. will I build my church. Upon that realization, that was the rock. That was it. It was no more and no less than that. And there needed to be nothing else aside from that. 
Now, saying that, does Christianity have leadership built into it? It absolutely does. And that brings us to the next interesting point about the Apostle Peter and his view of Christian leadership and his view of himself. Now, folks, if you have a thought, we'd love to hear from you on this. It's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. Out from the dark ages and into the light of today, join us 24-7 at ChristianQuestions.com. How did the Apostle Peter view himself in terms of Christian leadership? Because he did view himself as a Christian leader. He did. And he was, in fact, one of those 12 pillars of the, the, the Christian church, one of the 12 apostles. Yes, he was. So he was, at, and he was the outspoken spokesperson for the apostles. Mm-hmm. So he played an enormously important role. But how did he view that enormously important role in relation to Christian leadership in general? Well, he explained his role. He explains it himself in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 to 3. The elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. So the Apostle Peter transitions us right back into our main subject matter, but here's what he says. The elders which are among you. Now, which are leaders, right? right? Exactly. He says, the elders which are among you, I exhort who am also an elder. He's one of them. Right. He's not saying... I ex- I'm exhorting you as I am your, your, your leader, the one you, you are to be following after. He's saying, I am just like you. Exactly. And that helps us to understand, and, and he goes on to say, I was a witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker of the glory that shall be re- revealed. Then he says, here's what you're supposed to do. Feed the flock of God. Right. <laughs> and make sure you do it, not because you're, you have to do it, because, but it's because you want to do it. And it reminds me of doing it from the heart, which we talked about in the first uh, section. And, and, and that's where, again, the first internal piece of leadership uh, um, amongst Christianity is the fact that uh, we have to have the right principles driving us and guiding us. And, and he said, don't lord it over anyone. Right. And so he didn't put himself in a higher position than anyone. He was just one of them, a and, leader. And we really see that as Peter showing us what the template ought to look like. That, and, and by his own description and by his own words, he's giving us, we think, the template. So additional principles for Christian leaders apply uh, first within themselves. Abide by scriptural truth and do it with all humility and zeal. That's what the Apostle Peter is telling us. So now let's, let's go further. We're going to introduce in a moment the second um, personal piece of the internal puzzle of leadership, uh, but first, we want to go to a soundbite from a very well-known leader of our day, uh, Colin Powell. He was giving a, a talk uh, on leadership, and he was asked about what's the, 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 the core factor that he saw leadership to be built upon. My question is how you would define the key characteristics of effective leadership that allow you to go and be an advocate for good. Trust. The the longer I have uh, been in public service and the more people have asked me about leadership over the years, uh, leadership ultimately comes down to 
creating conditions of trust within an organization. Good leaders are people who are trusted by followers. Leaders take organizations past the level that the science of management says is possible. Uh, one of my sergeants back in uh, the infantry school at Fort Benning almost 50 years ago, which is where I learned everything I ever got to learn about leadership, was at the infantry school. And he said to me one day, he said, Lieutenant, you'll know you're a good leader when people follow you, if only out of curiosity. He said some very, very, very important things there. First of all, his gut response to what's the the big deal with leadership? What's the big? What's how, how do you how do you find it? Trust. And he was so completely sold out to that particular point, and that speaks a lot. And he said, "Leaders take organizations past the level that science and management say is possible." And and I think again that helps us to put it all in perspective. So when you have and here's the thing, principles are were the were the first core internal piece of leadership. That's right. And if you have that godly righteousness that we were talking about in loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself, that is a kind of character that draws trust to it. That's a good point. And when you look at your Christian leaders. Folks, is that what you're seeing? Are we seeing that kind of action and 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 uh, reason to trust within them because they are solely focused, solely focused on loving the Lord their God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, and their neighbor as themselves? So the principles are where you start. What's the next piece of that internal puzzle of leadership? The next P word, Rick, is priorities. Okay, what are the most important things? The true north that I focus on. And again, Jonathan, I like to use word pictures. Uh, and when you say focusing on true north, you think of a cup, compass. Yes, yes and, you and do. And a compass always goes back to true north. And our leadership ought to always be going back to true north. Can we observe that in our Christian leaders? Can we observe that in ourselves when life gets all tumbled around and you suddenly you find yourself going to the wrong direction? Are you able to take out that your personal compass and look at it and say, okay, time to refocus, time to go this way? And which way is that? Towards God. Right. True north. So, so pr- from, from the dictionary standpoint, what, what's a priority? Something that is more important than other things and that needs to be done or dealt with first. Okay. Something that needs to, needs to be done or dealt with first first what are the most important things and one of my favorite sayings it's not something i made of i actually learned this from tom hopkins uh one of my favorite sayings is uh, you must do the most important thing at any given moment i like that and sometimes the most important thing is time of leisure sometimes it's spending time with your family sometimes it's working sometimes it's prayer sometimes it's study sometimes it's witnessing to the gospel but whatever it is the point is be in the moment and do that most important thing Another quote that I don't know the source of, Jonathan. Leaders consider the past, evaluate the present, and create the future. So they have their feet in all three of those areas because the past is an indicator from whence we come. The present needs to be understood so the future can be created, can be led to. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 4 through 8 is a great scripture on priorities. And again, we're talking about Christian leadership, but we're also talking about each and every one of us. Do we apply this from the standpoint of leading ourselves and those around us? For by these he has granted to us 
his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. All right, so here you have the Apostle Peter again talking to us about these magnificent promises that were given to help us leapfrog over the world that we're in and, and, and plant our feet firmly on something that is spiritually based. Mm-hmm. Now, what else does he say? Now, for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence. So he says your faith is the basis, and upon that basis, now you must supply moral excellence. And again, priorities, leadership priorities are being described here in terms of how one builds their internal life and therefore expresses their external life. And in your moral excellence... Knowledge. It's great to have moral excellence, but you have to build knowledge upon that which you believe in is right and correct. And in your knowledge, self-control. Okay, so self-control is important because you have to, based on the knowledge, you have to be able to be disciplined in the application of that knowledge so that you continue following the, the, the true north. These are, these are Christian priorities that every Christian leader ought to have. And in your self-control, perseverance. And it's interesting because, you know, self-control and we talk about discipline and, and that's important. But perseverance, pushing forward, keeping going and, and not, uh, not, not stopping is such an important part of, the, uh, of, of what a Christian leader really should have. And in your perseverance, God, godliness. So it's great to persevere, but how are you doing it? It goes back to that original, right? It true goes north. back to the true north. It goes back to that original principle of godly righteousness. Are you focusing on that godly righteousness? And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. So you can, we can be godly and ignore our brother. <laughs> well, you can because you're so focused on that one thing. It's like it's like you have tunnel vision, and what mm-hmm. the apostle is saying is, don't have tunnel vision. Express it to those who are around you. And in your brotherly kindness, love, love, and that's that agape love, the selfless love, that benevolent love that gives without a thought of getting back. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So these are the qualities, these are the priorities that will help you to build a sound and spiritual inner man. And that's the priority here. This priority from this scripture is to build a sound and spiritual inner man. And how do we do that? We've got all these other things in life to do. You do it. You do all of the other things in life to honor God. Everything we do, we do in terms of honoring God. That's how we put it all in perspective. That's how we find our true Christian priorities. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, what makes a true Christian leader? Coming up, Have we set our Christian priorities in serving God? So, is going to church on Sundays enough for us? Do you think that's enough for God? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, what makes a true Christian leader? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. 
And Jonathan, we're going through the internal aspects that build leadership, things that are internal inside of an individual uh, and looking at them. And even though we all may not be in a position of Christian leadership, doesn't mean we shouldn't be applying these things to ourselves. That's right, because we all want to grow closer to our Heavenly Father, be more faithful, more diligent in His service. And so we want to apply these things. The first piece of the puzzle was principles. What are the core values that guide me? The second piece of the puzzle was... Priority. What are the most important things, the true north that I focus on? And the key thing is that true north, Jonathan, has to be ever-present in every aspect of our lives all the time. It doesn't matter if you're going to work. If it, do- it doesn't matter if you're washing your car. It doesn't matter if you're vacuuming the living room floor. What matters is, am I doing that with the idea of putting all things in order to glorify God. It's not just going to church on Sunday. Right, and it's not just it's just it's not saying, well, I've got to do all these other things and I'll come back to True North later. Uh, it's having True North always there inside of everything that you so do. So it's an attitude. It is. It's an attitude of living each and every day. Priorities continued uh, John chapter 4 verses 31 to 34. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him saying, "Rabbi, eat." But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, No one brought him anything to eat, did he? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. So Jesus' priority was to find his nourishment in the service of God's will through self-sacrifice. He, now look, did Jesus eat eventually? Of course he did. But he was making a point he was. to his closest followers. They're saying, um, you know, look, we, you've got to eat. And he said, what do you mean I've got to eat? I'm eating. I'm eating. I'm nourishing myself. How am I nourishing myself? By doing the will of God. Spiritually. That's what I'm here for. And that's what we mean. True north needs to always be present even though we do all of those other things in life. So the prior, priority here for us is to find one's nourishment in the service of God's will through self-sacrifice. Do our Christian leaders do that? Do we do that? Let's go to another sound by Jonathan. This is an interview with John Maxwell. I love John Maxwell. He is an author and teacher on leadership. I've read several of his books and have learned an amazing amount about the principles of leadership and um, how to apply them in a very practical way. He he just he's full of. Uh, in my mind, easy ways of explaining things. And he always explained things in terms of laws, if you will. These are the laws of leadership. These are the laws of teamwork and so forth. So he's talking about a particular law in this soundbite. Yeah. Give us a couple of them, just as a, a sample. Well, I'm, I'm going to talk about the law of intentionality. Mm. And the law of intentionality basically just says uh, growth doesn't, quote, just happen. Yeah. So... I observe many people who they just somehow think that if they go get up every day and go to work and that they'll grow automatically. Mm-hmm. And I know that problem because for as a young person, that's what I felt mm. until I had a man literally intersect my life and ask me what my plan for personal growth was, Mike. And and I, I didn't have a personal growth plan and didn't have a clue and kind of stammered around a little bit. And and then he told me he said, uh, gr- "Growth is is not an automatic process. You're going to have to do this intentionally." So I'm going I'm going to talk about intentional growth. Grow on purpose. You have to work at it. Right. You don't just sit back and say, I hope God blesses me with Christian growth today. And do nothing. Right. right. (laughs) We have to go out there. And you know what? If we make mistakes, we make mistakes. If they're well-intentioned mistakes because you're trying to grow, you know, we have the great great forgiver that we can go to. That, That reminds me of kind of being vulnerable. Yes. To grow. Yes, absolutely. And, it's a, and making mistakes, we learn 
some of our best lessons from the mistakes we make in life. And you think about it. Growth means you're going to a place you've never been before. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, you're Therefore, right. Therefore, the ability to make mistakes is greater. Sure it and is. And the vulnerability is greater. Mm-hmm. And the potential for embarrassment is greater. Yeah. But grow on purpose anyway. And you know what? It's pride that would prevent us uh-huh. from doing that. And that's not what Christian leadership is all about, is no. it? No. Not at all. First Corinthians nine sixteen to 19. For if I preach the gospel and have nothing to boast of, for I am under compulsion, for woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this voluntarily, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have a stewardship entrusted to me. What then is my reward? That when I preach the gospel, I may offer the gospel without charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I may win more. So here, the priority for the Apostle Paul is abundantly clear. Preach, spread the gospel of our own free will. And it's from the heart. You can hear it from the heart through these words. And he's saying, look, I am doing this because it's something that I am absolutely privileged to do. Uh, You know, I have this stewardship that's entrusted to me, and my reward is not to be supported by you all. Right. He's saying... Yeah, he was a tent maker. He supported himself so he wouldn't be a burden to the church. Right. He's saying, I could be supported by you all, but I don't want to be because I want what you receive from me to be as free a gift as possible. So he's saying, yeah, 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 I I could accept your support, but that's not what this is about. This is about something much bigger, something much greater, something much stronger. And his growth was to be focused entirely on the gospel for the sake of the gospel and not to get anything back. And it was to be a slave to all, to serve the brethren. That is true Christian leadership. You know, do we have that 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 priority of preaching, spread, spreading the gospel of our own free will, not because you have to fulfill your hours, but of your own free will? Well, Rick, let's go to the phones. We have Julius from Connecticut. Good morning, Julius, and welcome to the program. Gentlemen, good morning. Uh, I believe that uh, true Christian leadership is uh, certified, is legitimate, when we have evidences that the person is led by God. Uh, the model well, always the Lord Jesus, he was primary. I want to go back a couple of weeks, if I may, when you talked about Joseph. Yes, remember? yes. You had the second. And uh, I wanted to say at the time, I don't know if I said it, but I'd like to repeat, to me it's so critical uh, on this issue of leadership. I'd like to connect to that, and that is Joseph was propelled to success by God's favor. That's how he became leader in Egypt. And uh, the uh, an- another one, one of my favorites, uh, is uh, Solomon in First Kings chapter 3, where Solomon, remember the issue with the baby? Yes. Solomon was chosen by God. God answered his prayer on wisdom. Solomon was a great leader. At the time, until until you know he lost God's favor, he became corrupt later on. But the primary evidence is God's favor and the wisdom from God. 
that's where leadership, uh, in my opinion, that's how I define it. Thank you. God bless. Thank you, Joyce. Appreciate your call. Okay. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And he's right. Joseph is a great, great, great example of leadership with humility, with wisdom, with God's guidance. And that's the key, God's guidance. Are we finding God's guidance in, the, in, these, in these different areas of our lives? That's what we want from our Christian leaders. We want to see them being guided by God. Not guided by money, not guided by position, not guided by stature, not guided by stuff but guided by the principles of loving God and righteousness and the willingness to do it for free. I mean, think about that. That is such a powerful thing when we look at, at, at the, the scriptures in the New Testament. Julius, thanks so much for the call and bringing us back to Joseph. Very, very important. First uh, Timothy 5.8 But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. There's a priority, and we're talking about the priorities of a Christian leader. The internal priorities provide that which is necessary for those who depend upon you. Yeah. Get a job. Get a job. <laughs> Get a job, serve the Lord, and take care of your family. Well, and that's the important thing. If we want to, if we want to serve God uh, and we put aside those other things that are dependent upon us in order to serve God, that's not, God does not look upon that and say, wow, great job. What he looks upon us and says is, look, take care of your, the things that you must take care of first. And that is your true north, doing the most important thing at any given moment. That's the priority. And through your taking care of those things that are dependent upon you, you are serving me. And then, as you serve me that way, now come up a little bit higher. Yes. So it really comes down to putting it in its right order and not forgetting the basic responsibilities. These are the priorities of leadership. Take care of those things that need to be taken care of. If he, and here, here's another great priority. Uh, Ephesians five twenty-five to 29. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but she may be holy and blameless. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. So there is a very straightforward scriptural admonition. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loves the church. That's a priority. It is a priority. That's taking care of that which is entrusted to you. You know, when, when, in, in, in the model of marriage, it says the two shall become one flesh. That's right. And the whole point here, the, the, the apostle is saying that you don't not take care of yourself. Therefore, you cannot not take care of your wife. Correct. Because she is you. That's what marriage is. Don't mistake that and don't leave that responsibility and, and that, that, that gluing together behind because you want to go serve God. You serve God through that. That's how you find true north. These are the priorities. Is our Christian leadership doing these things? Are we, in leading our own Christian lives, doing these things? John thirteen twelve to 17. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you should also do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. 
If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. So Jesus is showing us another priority of leadership. And remember, he's talking to the 12 here. Yes, he is. So these are the ones who are going to be taking on the mantle of leadership and, exp- and, and expanding it. And he's saying, serve the brotherhood with all humility. So the leaders are the servants. And Jesus made it starkly clear by saying, I, by doing the, the washing of their feet. That was the most menial task that any could have done, and none of them volunteered for it. No, they didn't. So the one who was greater than all stooped to the position of least, uh, of least influence and said, I am willing to support you this way. You ought to support one another this way. If I've done it to you, you should do it to one another. What a great example of the priority of Christian leadership. And it's serving the brotherhood with humility. And that's, the, and that's exactly what Jesus did. There's, there's no mistaking the attitude of Jesus. Jonathan, one more scripture before we close this hour. First Peter 5.2 Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but for, with eagerness. So the priority there is what? It's pretty simple. Feed the flock. <laughs> so, so when we look at the priorities, we, we talked about principles uh, in the first segment, uh, and the first couple of segments, and, and the, the basic principles, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then we talk about priorities. And the priorities listed here, and there are several priorities, to build a sound and spiritual inner man, to find one's nourishment in the service of God's will through self-sacrifice, to preach, to spread the gospel, of our own free will, not to gain something, to provide that which is necessary for those who depend upon you, to love your wife as Christ loves the church, to serve the brotherhood with all humility, to feed the flock. These are some of the priorities. Folks, in the second hour, we're going to be talking about other pieces of that personal puzzle of leadership. If we're not on in your area, go to ChristianQuestions.com, click Listen Live, and stay with us. It's an important discussion that applies to each and every one of us all about Christian leadership on the inside so it can be proper leadership on the outside. For Jonathan and Rick, it's Christian Questions. We'll be back again after the news and all of that. But until then, what makes a true Christian leader from the outside in, or from the inside out to start with? We'll be back after the news and all that. But till then, think about it. is Christian Questions. John Maxwell once said, Don't be David trying to put on Saul's armor. (laughs) Good morning, everyone. And welcome back to Christian Questions Talk Radio with your breakfast with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Rick, our question is, what makes a true Christian leader, part one? And our theme text comes from Matthew 20, verse 26. It is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. It's all about leadership. It really is all about leadership. Leadership is a, a drastically needed uh, position 
that needs to be filled within our world today. It's a drastically needed uh, responsibility within the body of Christianity. That's right. So we're looking at leadership from t- two ways, Jonathan. And today we're focusing on leadership, the, the internal. What goes on inside of a leader that makes the leader's output become that that is leadership quality? Yes. So today we're focusing on what's inside of the leader. In a few weeks we'll be focusing on what comes out of that leader that is the leadership. So there's, there are two points, two very basic pieces to the personal leadership puzzle, that internal leadership puzzle that we discussed in the first hour. What were they? Well, Rick, the first is principles and what are the core values that guide us. And remember, it was love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and your neighbor as yourself. That's the, right. The core value, those, that, that thing that, that you always come, come back to in terms of this is the guiding principle of my life. And your heart. Right. Yes. And the second, Rick, is priorities. What are the most important things, the true north, that I focus on? So based on the principle of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, what are the things that you do and how do you do them that continue to focus you on the true north and keep you going in the right direction? So folks, it's all about leadership. We're looking at uh, leadership in terms of individually. Yes. Uh, each of us, all of these things we're talking about today really do apply to each of us. They do. Per- personally, right. you're what, right. whether you're in a position of leadership or not. Mm-hmm. And we're saying, and asking ourselves to look at the Christian leadership around us and saying, uh, do, do the Christian leaders around us exhibit to us these, these things? Do they exhibit them to us? If you have a thought on leadership, perhaps some examples or, or questions or comments, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. While studying the Bible and talking about today's Christian topics, go to ChristianQuestions.com for audio, video, CQ Rewind, and other free resources that no one else has on the planet. All programs are recorded and archived online. Check them out, ChristianQuestions.com. CQ Rewind, the full edition. You want to go to ChristianQuestions.com. You want to sign up for that. Uh, it give you a real insight into the things that we talk about each Sunday morning. Uh, it's in print. It's a free service. Graphics, illustrations, bonus material, and it's a free service. That's right. It's and it's something that we just make available to you because we really believe that it's going to help solidify the points that we try to make on the radio, and sometimes we just don't. <laughs> Only at ChristianQuestions.com. All right. What's the third piece to the personal leadership puzzle, that internal leadership puzzle. We have principles, we have priorities. What's the third piece? Performance. What am I doing and how am I doing it right now? All right. So, what? And, and as we were talking in, at the break, it depends how old you are. Because, <laughs> man, it's not as easy as it used to be. That's true. It's true. You know what? And I was out doing some, some yard-type work uh, yesterday. And boy, when I got up this morning, did I feel it. And oh. I didn't work all day either. Not like I was out there for 17 hours or something. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. Just a few hours and it's like, oh, I feel like I'm creaking. Well, we still need performance though, Rick. Yes, we do. And, and, and in terms of leadership, what, how is your performance, what are you doing? What are you doing right now? Let's go to, go to another soundbite from Colin Powell. He's talking about the essence of leadership, and he says something here to me that really, really encapsulates the idea of the focus of your performance as a leader. And so they would teach us at the infantry school, no matter how cold it is, Lieutenant, you must never look cold. 
No matter how hungry you all are, Lieutenant, you must never appear hungry. No matter how terrified you are, Lieutenant, you must never look terrified. Because if you are scared, terrified, hungry, and cold, they will be scared, terrified, hungry, and cold. I've gotten away with that many, many times in the course of my career by being scared to death, cold, and wanting to go to sleep. But no, let's go. Let's keep going. Let's go around this corner, if only out of curiosity. And they'll follow you into the darkest night, down the deepest valley, up the highest hill, if they trust you. That is profound. It really is. And when you think about that, obviously that's a, very much in a military application. Mm-hmm. But you know, you think about Jesus for a moment here. And, and Jesus had physical human needs. Oh, he did. You know, he needed to rest. He needed to regroup. And how many times in Scripture was he going to go off to, to regroup, take some time for himself? Oh, he tried. And, and <laughs> then the crowds would find him. And every time... He would turn and he would have compassion on them and he would heal them. What and, an and he example. Would teach them. And, and wow. so it didn't matter how tired he was. And you know that he felt it. Every time he healed, you know, virtue went out from him. The scriptures tell us That's that. That's right. But he never once showed any lack. He always showed that, that, that ever-present, selfless, benevolent love that we always talk about. So do our Christian leaders show this quality? And are we working on showing this quality in our own lives? Those those are the things. Folks, again, if you have a thought, we'd love to hear from you. We're talking about leadership. It's 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. Stay connected to Rick and I at ChristianQuestions.com, no matter the day or time. Another quote, Jonathan, I don't know the source. What we're going to do on the on the Secret Rewind, the, the full edition, is we're going to give you the YouTube website where you can see all of these quotes and then they list the sources after. There you uh, go. They just didn't tell you which source went with which quote. Okay. But uh, that's on Secret Rewind, the full edition. got to sign up for that in order to get that. These are great quotes. Honor people and they will honor you. Fail to honor people and they will fail to honor you. It's really simple. Do it first. That's part of performance. Do it first. First Thessalonians five twelve to 24. And we're going to break this, these verses down essentially one at a time. But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. So the apostle is telling us exactly that. He's saying, look, brethren, those who have honored you by serving you, by teaching you, by feeding you the gospel, by giving you direction, you need to honor back. He's saying to them, this is what you should do because they are doing it out of love and you should react out of love toward them. So now he's going to get into breaking it down into very specific points of performance. What's verse 14? We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with one another. All right. So here you've got this you know, admonish, encourage, help, be patient. And, and the question we have to ask ourselves, Jonathan, is are your eyes open to the conditions of the flock around you? Because you can't help the unruly or help the weak and be patient with everyone and admonish the unruly if you're not paying attention. If you don't notice. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so part of performance is opening your eyes to the circumstances around you. And as a Christian leader, are you opening your eyes? Are our are, are Christian leaders opening their eyes to what's around them and saying, ah, these are the circumstances that need to be addressed? That's the first point in the in this first Thessalonians five, twelve to twenty four. Now Let's go on to verse 15. See that no one repays any 
evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. So now you've opened your eyes to the conditions around you. So now in verse 15, with your eyes wide open, are you acting as a wise guide? Not a wise guy, but a (laughs) wise guide to the flock. Because it says, once you've admonish the unruly, encourage the faint heart, and so forth. He says, now see that no one repays one another evil for evil. You have to be guiding. You have to be showing them how to and what to and how not to and what not to. So it's, it's saying, look and then act. That's part of personal performance. What am I doing right now? The next point, Rick, is rejoice always. Now, that's a really simple one, isn't it? It is. So after being responsible to do all of these other things, do you have your mind set, uh, ever set rather, on seeing experience from God's perspective? You know, Jonathan, our lives are not, don't, don't produce rejoicing at every turn. No, they don't. You know, many of our personal experiences, as a matter of fact, produce... They're hard. Yes, and they produce complaining, they produce hurt, Mm -hmm. sometimes they produce misery, but this says rejoice always. So that means that we have to have our mind ever set on seeing the experience from God's perspective, because everything God allows into our lives is for our, our good. That's right, it is. Therefore, it's a reason to rejoice. Even trials. Even trials, yeah, and especially trials, because those are the ways that we grow. And remember, we talked about it in the first hour, growing means you're going to an area you've never been before. That's right. A little bit scary sometimes. Uh, just a, a, a second scripture on this before we get back to First Thessalonians 5, Hebrews twelve eleven. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Afterward, you get the peaceable fruit of righteousness. You've got to suck it up in between and still rejoice because that is where you're going if you're focusing on growth. Uh, verse 17. Pray without ceasing. These are just short, clear-cut admonitions here. Is your spiritual mind continually recharging? Prayer is the way. The best way that we have available to us to recharge. You're right. And are we using? Are we using it? Is 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 our personal performance in such a way that we are constantly having that that prayerful attitude and approach to everything that we do and say? In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. To live thankfully is to fulfill God's will. That's what this is saying. Can others see the thankfulness of your life? It's one thing to say, yeah, I'm thankful for that. Yeah, 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 I'm thankful for that. But it's another thing to live your thankfulness in a way that others can say, wow, they just seem to live a life of gratitude. What is it about them? And Christian leaders, it's a privilege that they have been given to serve the flock. And if you go back to what Colin Powell said, you know, if you're hungry and tired and all, don't show it. See, that's living a life of gratitude. It is. And people follow those who show that they can step up to a higher level. So this scripture is profound it is. in terms of defining the performance pieces of, of leadership. Next scripture, uh, next part, uh, don't quench the spirit. Okay, don't quench the spirit. Are you listening for the spirit in you and in others? I mean, are we actually listening for that? Are we focusing and paying strict attention to that? Um, and let's just jump down to uh, verse 20, Jonathan, because this segment is almost out of time here. Do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Is your listening, in your listening, are you discerning as well? It's one thing to listen to yeah. what somebody says. And it's hard because everyone is different and it's hard to understand 
different people's personalities and experiences. Sometimes when we listen, all we're doing is biding our time so we can talk. Oh, good point. <laughs> so, uh, you know, if if you're in, if you're simply biding your time so you can talk, then you're not you're you're not fulfilling the performance part uh, of the leadership. Do not pr- d- despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully. In other words, listen and examine it. Listen and repeat it back. Listen and try to get what's being said because there's great value in that. And again, Jonathan, if you're leading. Others will tend to follow you more readily if they know you listen to them. Their sincerity. Right. Proof. Right. That, and that's it. That's exactly it. That's proof of leadership. The fact that you can listen and you pay attention is proof of leadership. And this is part of that personal performance. One quick scripture before we end this segment. Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed accurately handling the word of truth. So we have to accurately handle the word of truth as we hear it from those around us and then be able to feed back all of those things which we've been listening to. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, what makes a true Christian leader? Coming up, potential. Do we have it? Have we arrived? Do we look for it in others? How do we take what the Lord has given us and raise the bar? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, what makes a true Christian leader? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And we are talking about Christian leadership, Jonathan. We're talking about the inside out uh, to start with this program. We will do a part two in a few weeks and look at the outside in. But for now, it's the inside out. Well, Rick, we're talking about Christian leaders, but does this apply to everyday all of us Christians? It, it really does, especially the inside-out part of it, because the inside-out part of it is what's happening on the inside of you. And the bottom line is every one of us is a leader in some way, some fashion, because one of the ways you define leadership is leadership is influence. Okay. And if you have influence over anybody, you therefore have the capacity of leadership and responsibility because you have influence. Good point. So no matter where we are, no matter who we are, we do have that responsibility, and therefore all of the things we're talking about here actually do apply. And we were talking at the break, and and Fred came up with uh, an example of Stephen. Do you remember he was one of the first Christian martyrs? He was the first Christian martyr. And he he wasn't a church leader. Right. But what personal responsibility he took in proclaiming the good news. Right. He wasn't a recognized leader in terms of hierarchy and elder or anything like that. But he was a leader by example. And and all of us, Jonathan, have that same responsibility and can look up to Stephen, who was that leader by example, and say, when I grow up, I want to be like that. Mm -hmm. I want to be that selfless and that bold in Christ. So it is a great example. One other quick thing before we get back to the... um, First Thessalonians five twelve to twenty four. You can tell it's simple leadership test. Yeah, well, how's that? Turn around, see if anybody's following you. <laughs> it's really that simple. <laughs> it's really that simple. Anyway, folks, if you have a thought, it's eight six six nine eight five four two five five. Toll free eight six six 
985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And don't forget, CQ Re- Rewind, the full edition. You want to sign up. As a matter of fact, in the full edition bonus material of CQ Rewind this week, there is a sneak peek at what part two of the Christian Leadership Program is going to look like, what it's going to be based on. Ooh, nice. Okay, we have four points we're doing today. The four points that we're doing in that next program is several weeks are listed there uh, to just get your mind going on the direction. And that's only available at ChristianQuestions.com. Sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition. It is a free service. Don't forget to do it. See, leaders do things. They don't just talk about them. They do it. (laughs) Go sign up now. It's a free service. There's no obligation. ChristianQuestions.com. Back to 1 Thessalonians 5. uh, We're on verse 22. Abstain from every form of evil. Do you have a firm two-handed grip on righteousness? You know, that's what it says. Abstain from every form of evil. Isaiah 33, 14 to 15. Sinners in Zion are terrified. Trembling has seized the godless. Who among us can live with a consuming fire? Who among us can live with a continual burning? He who walks righteously and speaks with sincerity. He who rejects unjust gain and shakes his hands so that they hold no bribe. He who stops his ears from hearing about bloodshed and shuts his eyes from looking upon evil. That scripture to me really clarifies abstain from every form of evil. It's saying stay far away from those things. Who who can who can stand in this very terrible day that we live? Those who are focused on godly righteousness in every aspect of their lives. Are you working toward all of these things in your present performance? Because this is the aspect of leadership we're focusing on right now is performance. If so, there's a great promise waiting for you. And that's verse 23 and uh, 24 of First Thessalonians chapter 5. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely and make your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you and he also who brings it to pass. So basically what it's saying is the God of peace, may the God of peace sanctify. And sanctify means set you apart for a holy purpose. Sanctify you entirely. What a privilege to be set completely apart from the mess of the world for God's purpose. Do our Christian leaders show this example? And do we show this example to those around us? as individual leaders in our individual lives. Again, folks, we'd love to hear from you. It's 866-985-4255, toll-free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and and that means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. Jonathan, want to go to one last reminder uh, on performance. Uh, and let's revisit one of the priorities, the serve the brotherhood with all humility. And remember, we don't have to read the entire scripture again, but uh, this was about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And that was a priority, to serve the brotherhood with all humility. Now, let's just read, and that was in John thirteen twelve to 17. Let's just read verse 17. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. So the priority is saying, okay, this is an important thing. But Jesus says, let's take that priority and apply it to performance. If you know these things, wonderful. But blessed if you do them. Right. It's, it's, it's great to know. It is blessed to do. 
That is the performance of leadership. That's what's required. And again, folks, it really comes down to our each individual, our, our, our Christian lives. Am I doing right now the things that are required of me if I am basing my life on the, the principles of, of loving God and, and righteousness, the priorities of putting everything in order, doing the most important thing at any given time, and the performance. What am I doing? How am I doing it right now? Take a look in the mirror and see what you see, and don't be afraid of what you see. And you know what? I, I can promise you, I can pretty, well, not promise, but pretty much promise you. <laughs> okay. That, and, and I'm speaking of this from a personal standpoint. When you look in the mirror like this, you're probably going to be disappointed. But that's okay. Because the fact that you're disappointed says, aha, I see something that needs work. Going to change. Right. And how do you change? You put it into the performance part of leadership and you do it now. So how did Jesus do these things? He lived these things. One more scripture on this and then we're going to go on to our fourth point of the personal part of the leadership uh, puzzle. First uh, Corinthians 13.2. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. So the apostle in 1 Corinthians 13 is telling us, look, you can do the things, you can, you can do the things in terms of performance, but having love is part of the performance equation it's part of what am i doing right now you see love is not a feeling love is an action love is part of the performance of a true christian and love must be part of the performance of a true christian leader it must be that internal selflessness do we look around at our christian leaders and see selflessness giving without expecting anything in return right is that what we see? Because that that's the way Jesus did it. That's right. That's the way the Apostle Paul did it. And if you look at all of the examples, the scriptural examples, that's the way they all did it. Yep. None of them were in there collecting, okay, collecting for themselves, and wow, look what I get. It was, wow, look what I can give. Exactly. It, it's a whole perspective. Let's go back to that interview with John Maxwell. He was talking about uh, you know different laws, the law of intentionality he, he talked about in the first hour. Right. Um, now he's talking about weakness because we all have weakness we do and what do you do with the weakness that you have in your life listen this is this is powerful powerful advice in areas of choice you need to work on your weaknesses for example mm. let's say i let's say i am i'm lazy that's an area of choice that's mm. i mean i i'm not naturally lazy i'm just lazy it's mm -hmm. a choice so I, I need to work on that because i mm. in areas of choices you can make vast improvement and you can make fast improvement. I've never heard this distinction, by the yeah, way. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. hugely helpful. Oh, yeah. In choices. So, yeah. attitude. Let's have a lousy attitude. One day I wake up and I say, this isn't getting me anywhere. i got to have a good attitude. You can go from a zero to a ten. I mean, almost over. I mean, you see people that you just say, my gosh. Overnight they just yeah. got good and happy. You know what I'm saying? Okay. That's a choice. Vast, fast growth in choices. So he's talking about weaknesses, and, and there are different kinds of weaknesses we have. We have weaknesses that are weaknesses by choice. Yep. Laziness, for instance, is mm -hmm. a choice. It is. <laughs> I'm uh. sorry to admit it, <laughs> and I speak to myself, but it is a choice. And you can decide to do something about that. So when you have weaknesses that boil down to your choices, he's, he's, saying, he's saying, look, you have to work on that, and you can make vast improvement and fast improvement. So you can't just say, well, that's how I am. Right. 
Yeah, I'm just lazy. Yeah, well, just get up earlier. You know, and get that's over the answer. It, right? right, get over yourself, get up, get over yourself, and move on. And it is a choice, and then there's a discipline that follows that choice. And that brings us to our next point, and the, the fourth point of the internal puzzle of, of Christian leadership. We have principles, we had priorities, we had performance, and this fourth point is what? Potential. All right. What am I growing towards, and how am I feeding that growth? What and, and folks, again, this is definitely the look in the mirror thing. What am I growing towards, and how am I feeding that growth? Jonathan, a quote that we don't know where it came from. <laughs> we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act, but a habit. And I love, I wish I knew who said that, because they were really smart. <laughs> Excellence is not an act but a habit. And, and you, you see that when you watch a gymnast perform and you see this flawless action, what we don't see is the 10 or 20 or 30,000 hours of practice drilling and rehearsing that went into that. That's right. And that's where we see excellence because it became a habit. Excellence is usually elusive. It's most often only attainable as part of a journey to stretch oneself beyond one's present perceived Capacity, and I want to underline that, perceived capacity. But this is how we develop potential. We have to have that striving toward excellence, which is usually elusive. Yep. Because yep. you can always get better. Mm-hmm. But, Absolutely. But, so excellence really does come in the journey. Matthew 5, uh, 43 to 48. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So here you have, here's excellence. Here is excellence. Jesus is expressing to us excellence, love in, in, in the category of excellence. Love your enemies. Pray for them who despitefully use you. And he's not saying love your enemies like saying, yeah, okay, I'll tolerate them. He's saying love them. He's saying be willing to give to them, to give to not just ignore them and leave them alone because they're your enemies, but be willing to give to them with no thought of getting back. And you say, well, how is that possible? Well, that's what he did. You know, Jesus didn't die just for good people. He died for everybody. That's right. He gave to them. They weren't in a, pro- in, the, in, in a place to give back. Forgive them for they know not what they do. Exactly. There was, that's the principle behind this, this excellence in love that Jesus is talking about. Let, let's continue the verse. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do, you, do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And the word for perfect there actually means complete because we are imperfect and we're not capable of perfection. The point that Jesus is making here, though, is that the potential, the, the greatest potential that we should strive towards is to truly love one's enemies. That's a major step toward godliness. Are our Christian leaders showing that example? And... That is something that every one of us is capable of. We are all capable of loving our enemies. But do we do it? And you're right. Do our Christian leaders show us the way? Do they walk the path and then say, come on with me. This is the way. I've been walking this path. Let me show you how. Or are we looking at them saying, well, wait a minute. You know, they're, they're showing us a little bit of vengeance here and a little bit of bitterness and all of that. That's not loving your enemies. 
Now, now, Jonathan, this is we're starting with the biggest potential, and say, and this is like the discouraging one. Like, oh man, come on. Yeah, yeah. But there's hope because it is a step by step process. One more scripture along these lines: Romans five six to eight. For while we were still helpless, all the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So this is, this is awesome, John, because it says this is the love of God that he sent Christ. And both reflect that same love for humanity, that, that Christ was willing to die. God was willing to send him, and Christ was willing to die for sinners who did not like him. That's right. And they chose to crucify him. They were enemies of him. And yet Jesus willingly and freely died. That's the potential. That's the kind of example that we have. That's the one who walked the road already and said, come, follow me, because that's denying ourselves, taking up our cross, and being Christ-like. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, what makes a true Christian leader? Coming up, if Jesus called us to follow him, he obviously saw potential in us. The question is, Do we follow through in developing that potential? What are we doing about it? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, What Makes a True Christian Leader? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And Jonathan, we're talking about the fourth point in internal Christian leadership, and that is the point of potential. What am I growing towards, and how am I feeding that growth? And there's a, there's a great personal responsibility there. There is. Because we can say, okay, you know, well, obviously we're going toward Christ. Wonderful. That's the right answer. How are you personally feeding that growth? Because we have to get up off our butt and do something about it to, to, to find a way to achieve whatever our potential is. You know, the ultimate growth potential is to love one's enemies, which is a very hard thing to accomplish. It is. But what about all the other areas of your life? If you're a leader, are you supposed to do everything well? Just because you're a leader doesn't mean that, okay, well... You everything? <laughs> right. That's <exactly. laughs> Everything? Really? Come on. We're and, not perfect. <laughs> let's, go back, let's go back to a... a um, actually, let's do this. Let's go to the phones first, and then we'll go to the soundbite from John Maxwell. On All right. That. Well, we have Randall from Connecticut. Good morning, Randall, and welcome to Christian Questions. Good morning. Happy Sunday, guys. To you, too. And we have 2 Corinthians 7.3. I do not say this to condemn you, for I've said before that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. The Christian is always the boss. The Christian cannot blame the manager, corporate, the spouse, the pastor, or the president. Even though the Christian may not be in charge, they always have responsibility. Philemon 8-9 I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do your duty, yet I would rather appeal to you on the basis of love. It is Christ's love that empowers us more than any training manual ever could. We perform our daily duties with empathy. When we fear for our patients, we pray. 
we lead from where we are. Ephesians 5.21, be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. Randall, thanks so much. We appreciate it. God bless you guys. Take care. And the, I like the way he started that the Christian is always the boss. And his, the point is simple. The point is you have authority over how you do and how you react and the things that, that go on. So instead of going and blaming the circumstances, go take and apply whatever your personal potential is to move forward in Christ. Randall, thanks so much. Very, very, very good point. So, so Jonathan, let's get back to that point about if you're a leader. And folks, listen, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And if you have any questions on our subject, give us a call or ask your questions at ChristianQuestions.com or go to Facebook or email us at Rick at ChristianQuestions.net. All right. Weakness. What about weakness? Now, we listened to a, a John Maxwell um, soundbite in the last segment. And he was talking about in areas uh, where of choice, you really got to work on you know, strengthening those weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Because we're choosing to be lazy. We're choosing to have a bad attitude and all that. We can change those things. Well, what about in areas of giftedness? This is what he's speaking of next. Fred Soundbite. There we go. In giftedness... DNA, wiring, your growth is very, very small, mm. and it's very slow. So I think, for example, a person can maybe increase their giftedness skill set maybe two numbers. Wow. So if I'm a, if I'm a little bit above average, I'm a six. If I really work hard, I can get, become an eight. But, but an eight is, is powerful. Yeah. Eight has a huge return. So what I tell people is in, in areas of giftedness, that's where you have to work on your strengths. If, if I'm a two in something, I'm very weak in a skill. If I worked hard, I could only become a four. I'd still be below average. Yeah, yeah, so what I tell yeah. people is you've got to ask yourself, is it going to give me the return? Mm-hmm. So in the area of strengths, you've got to pour yourself into the things that you're already good at because that will really set you apart from average. So th- that's a profound distinction. In, it is. In areas of, of choice, we really have to work on and develop our weaknesses to become stronger. Well, Rick, all of us don't have every talent out there right. uh, I'm, in life. I'm not a singer. Never have been, never will. I like to sing, but, you know, when I sing, everybody, <laughs> Fred was imitating what people do when I sing. Ow! <laughs> that's what people say ow it hurts my ears <laughs> but it's okay you just realize that that's not one an area of giftedness and you move on to find those things that the Lord has given you to use in his service and you go for them and the growth in those areas may be a little bit smaller and take a lot more work but it's worth it because how do we know what our potentials really well, are and that, you know that's a, that's a really important point and you find the kinds of things that drive you that motivate you that you're drawn to and you know with the radio program for instance that we have an amazing group of volunteers that work with us we sure do and they do all kinds of different jobs from Fred running the board to Trish doing the phone calls to, to Jewel sitting here and taking notes for the, the, the rewind to the people that do the technical stuff and what's happened is we have all of these volunteers that have found something they're good at. A niche. Right. And okay. they found a way to contribute. So we didn't ask, you know, we're, we're not asking uh, um, we're not asking Trish to, to get on the air and talk for 25 minutes. Sit in your place. Right. Okay. You know, she, <laughs> she looks at me like, she, she looks at me with that fear and like, don't ever ask me to do that. <laughs> but she does a, a tremendous job in the call screening and keeping me focused and all of those things. So find those things that you're drawn to that you really feel like you can do and work them 
That's the thing. That's what potential is. It's working the, those those areas. So that was a really, really important question. Folks, again, if you have a thought, now would be the time. 866-985-4255. Toll free. 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. And that means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 31. And this is one of those scriptures that says, yeah, everybody's not good at everything. For consider your calling, brethren, that there are... Not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of this world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen. The things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are. So, the whole point is, look, God didn't pick the cream of the crop to follow after Christ. To go to heaven. He, right. he picked the garbage, <laughs> the dregs. And is that what you're saying? And, and he's saying, this is, so don't, don't expect that, that Christian uh, leaders should come from the very highest of, of, of leadership circles and all of those kinds of things within the world. Now, why would God do that? Well, it, the, the scripture explains it. So that no man may boast before God by but by his doing you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption so that just as is it is written let him who boasts boast in the Lord so the wisdom of the world he's saying no 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 I didn't go to pick the wisdom of the world because I wanted to pick those who would see that Jesus would become their wisdom they could really see Jesus' power working through them. Right. And so, not depending on themselves. So often, Christians come from difficult and bad backgrounds. Yes. So he says, I'm not picking necessarily the people that have always done it right. I'm picking those who have made mistakes so that Christ will be their sanctification and their righteousness. Yes. So yes. we can find our value in Christ and then develop that potential. And not be prideful in ourselves. So this is good news. The text is telling us that we have an abundant space to grow into. <laughs> <laughs> because we we got a long way to go, really. <laughs> yeah. We're judged by God uh, on the context, uh, content of our character, not on the content of our resume. Oh, I like that. You understand. That's an important point. We're judged by God on the content of our character, not the content of our resume. Our potential, therefore, is not out of our reach. It may be out of our perceived reach, but it's not out of our reach if we stand in Christ. Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the statute which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Now, see, this is interesting, Jonathan, because he says there's some apostles, there's some prophets, evangelists, and pastors, and teachers, all for the equipping of the saints. So there's leaders that have different qualifications or, right. or talents. And what's the purpose of all of these different things? All of these positions are for the purpose of creating a mature man. Now, think about that for a second. It's a collectively complete individual, which is called the body of Christ, and not mature men, plural each standing on his own. Mm. So the purpose of having all of these different individuals with different abilities and talents and backgrounds and experiences coming into the body of Christ is to create the mature body of Christ. As a whole. As a whole. So you yourself are not complete. And that's the good part. That is. You take your incomplete contribution, and I take my incomplete contribution, and Jewel takes hers, and Fred takes his, and Trish takes hers, and everybody else, and together... 
by God's grace, there's that mature body of Christ that develops. See, that's the point. That's the point of potential. You don't have to have to be able to do everything well. You just need to find those things you can, you, you can, you can serve in and go do them. Let's continue that scripture. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. So, therefore, we are to be able to stand firm. Growing up in Christ, even for the leaders, is to grow into a strong and functioning a part that contributes its value mightily to the whole. Because it says, speaking the truth in love, we grow up. Grow up. That's one of the themes here of potential. Potential means grow up in all aspects of him who is the head. Grow up how? Under the leadership of Christ. It's really that simple. From whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So the lesson, finding and growing towards your potential, is not a lonely road. Because you are growing in your potential as I am trying to grow in mine, as others are trying to grow in theirs. And that's the whole point of being part of the body, is fellowshipping in that growing process. All fit together. Because we all have potential. What is it? Folks, what is it? What are we doing with it? Look in the mirror and see if... You are focusing on the potential that God has given you through Christ. And, you know, and, and Jonathan, there may be some who say, well, you know what? I'm really not that good at much of anything. I really am not. And you know, I'm, I'm being honest and being sincere and being, being true. You know, I, I'm, so, so what do you do with that? Well, if you're not that good at much of anything and you think you fit into that category, what I would say is then focus on the tool of potential that's called prayer. And learn to master the power of prayer on behalf of those who can do the things that you, you, you would like to do. Master the power of prayer uh, to, to build those up who are having struggles and trials and tribulations. And then watch how God opens the doors for you to actually serve in other ways. Because that's what happens. It, it's true. So there's always a way, always a place to grow. Uh, let's go to uh, Hebrews uh, 12, 1 to 3. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, this is an admonition that's given to every individual Christian. Potential demands that we run. Not walk, not sit in the audience, not watch others run and say, look at them go, but potential demands that we run. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Potential demands that we see the prize. Fixing your eyes on the prize. That's what you're running towards. That's what potential demands. And let's finish up that verse. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So potential demands that we focus and meditate on that which gives us strength. You know, you see Jesus as the ultimate goal afar off, but this is also saying, but meditate on him as well. And so you meditate on those things that drive you to grow and to change and to develop. So Jonathan, we've had four points this morning that we were talking about in terms of developing our Christianity. There were principles, there's priorities, 
There's performance and potential, Rick. And those four things are internal qualities of every leader. And when we look at our Christian leaders, do we see those things being shown in their internal personal lives? And are those things being focused on and developed in our personal lives, whether we lead or not? Because leadership is influence, and every one of us has influence. We will have a part two talking about the external part of leadership coming up in another program of Christian Questions at some point soon. We hope you've enjoyed being with us this morning. We've truly enjoyed being with you, talking to you about a very important question and subject. What makes a true Christian leader? For Jonathan and Rick, it's Christian Questions. Until next time, think about it.